0: Coming up on this episode of DL Weekly, MagicBand Plus is soft launching this week. Paper tickets may be going away. The Matterhorn returns with some updates.
1: Indy isn't getting the refurb we had hoped for. A lot of price increases across the board. We talk with former Imagineer Mel McGowan and more. DL Weekly starts now.
2: Well, hello there. Welcome to our unbirthday party. (laughs) For your safety, please be sure to stay listening with your hands, arms, feet, and ears. Inside the podcast. And please, do give Peg and Teresa easier trivia questions. Hmm. Well, it seems DL Weekly is about to begin. Have a most wonderful time. Perhaps tea time.
0: Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Deal Weekly for the week of October 19th, 2022. I'm Teg Bushman.
1: And I'm Teresa Urban. We would like to thank all of our weekly tiers, including Gretchen D, Eric J, Brooklyn D, and Alex W, for supporting the show. Without your support, Deal Weekly would not be possible. Your support ensures the podcast will continue and that we can make it to the parks more often to bring you the latest news and information straight from the parks. If you would like to become an official weekly tier, head on over to dealweekly.net support to sign up.
3: Well, it's that time again for our friend Eric over at Concierge to catch us up on other Disney news. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Johnson with Concierge Ears, and welcome to the D180. While Teg and Teresa cover all things Disneyland in the D180, we take a spin around the rest of the Disney universe, and we do it in 180 seconds. Let's jump right in. We start our journey this week in Walt Disney World, where we have our list of narrators. That's right, we Disney World folks like to do it big. Unlike the uh, smallish ceremony at Disneyland, Epcot guests get to enjoy the candlelight processional from November 25th all the way through December 30th. This holiday celebration resembles the Disneyland version in many ways. It started out in the Magic Kingdom from the resort's opening. Rock Hudson narrated the very first event in 1971 and reprised his role many other years. It wasn't until 1994 that the event made its move to Epcot, From there, the event added even more nights to accommodate demand. This year, we have plenty of favorites returning. Edward James Almos, Angela Bassett, and Neil Patrick Harris are always around for the holidays. We also get to see some new folks this year. Simu Liu, Shang-Chi himself joins the cast. So do Gloria Estefan and Mariska Hargitay. Somehow, Josh Gad has never done one of these, but this year he finally joins up from December 10th through the 12th. If you're in town around this time, make it a point to see the Candlelight Processional. If you purchase a dining package at most of Epcot's many restaurants, you get priority seating. Make sure you're ready for those reservations 60 days out. Why not take a trip to Disney World to see for yourself? Most nights from December 11th to December 25th, a stay at a Disney resort is on sale. In case you're wondering, the narrators during this time frame are Josh Gad, Gloria Estefan, NPH, Mariska Hargitay, Cal Ripkin Jr., and Marie Osmond. Guests at resorts like Animal Kingdom Lodge, Coronado Springs, and the Yacht Club Resort get 20% off of their stay. Rooms at Port Orleans and Art of Animation are discounted 15%, and the rest of the resorts on property are discounted 10%. Treat yourself to a holiday trip. Your concierge planners are ready to help you. I get it. You're not ready for the winter holidays yet. It's still the spooky season after all. Let's head to the Disney Wish to look at their Halloween revels. The Grand Hall aboard the ship is packed with pumpkins and foliage. Every Disney ship sports a pumpkin tree in the Grand Hall, and the Wish is no exception. In keeping with the ship's Cinderella theme, this tree grew pumpkins depicting scenes and characters from the classic film. Guests aboard during this season can expect costume parties, trick-or-treating, and plenty of chilling movies in their rooms or by the pool at night. Characters abound at any of Disney's Halloween events, so be sure to look out for both villains and villain alikes. Rumor has it that Clarabelle Cow, Daisy Duck, and Minnie Mouse masquerade as the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus. And that's 180 seconds. I hope you enjoyed our quick spin around the rest of the Disney universe. If you would like to learn more about these Disney adventures or just have a few questions, please come on over. Visit the social media and websites of both DL Weekly and us, their official travel planners, concierge. We look forward to planning something special for you and yours. I'm Eric Johnson, and this has been your D-180. Well,
1: thanks, Eric. Just wanted to make an announcement for everyone. The live stream scheduled for this weekend is actually having a slight date change. Instead of happening on Sunday, the public live stream, as well as a supporter hangout, will be this weekend on Saturday, October 22nd at 2.30 p.m. Disneyland time for the hangout for supporters and 3.20 p.m. for our public live stream. You won't want to miss this. We're going to be tuning in from a very magical place. Oh, you're not even going to tell them where we're going? I'm going to tease it. You got to tune in to find out.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> worth it, guys. We were, just so you know, we were planning to go to Disneyland this weekend. Yes, There's a Disney Anna event.
1: We won't be at Disneyland.
0: We won't be at Disneyland, but we will be somewhere very Disney-centric that's not Disneyland. So we're I think it's excited. a really unique experience. Teresa and I have not been to this place before, so it's going to be very exciting. So definitely tune in this weekend. Now, let's get to the news.
1: the day this podcast goes live Magic Band Plus will start rolling out with a soft opening for Magic Keyholders, DVC members, and as well as some cast members. Other guests will be able to purchase and use the service starting on October 26th. Magic Band Plus will add glow-with-the-show elements during nighttime spectaculars, fireworks, and more. Admission to the parks will also work, as well as Genie Plus reservation redemptions at the attractions. The best news is that Magic Band Plus can be used at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, with no need to buy separate bands for each resort.
0: That's awesome, Uh, because there was some concern about that. I am very excited. I feel like it felt like Magic Band Plus was coming like forever away and all of a sudden it's here already for Magic Key holders and DVC members and some cast members. However, one interesting kind of loophole potentially here is they won't sell the bands at Disneyland to anybody except for people in those groups. However, it seems to me like if you had a Magic Band Plus From Disney World, you probably could link it to your Disney account and use it.
1: I don't know how that works because you can buy Magic Band Plus on Shop Disney right now. Yeah. So I just don't think, I'm not sure how that works. The
0: blog post from the Disney Parks blog made it sound like you would need to prove that you are one of these people to buy the band. But the use of the service, there, there's no way for them to like police that. You just well, add but that it's stuff linked, to your.
1: It's linked to your account, so unless they can somehow.
0: Well, you just buy the band, and then you link the band to your like. There's no way that they track the band with the person until you link it to your account in the app, because it works kind of like the old Magic Bands do, where there's like a little number on there, oh, and yeah. you add it in.
1: Yep, yeah, I understand. I guess I don't understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is, I understand that, but I don't understand why. What what the loophole is?
0: The loophole is. If you have a magic band plus from Disney World or maybe Shop oh. Disney, you could start using this and not be a magic key holder yeah. or D V C member potentially. So I don't know. I'm just very excited. Yeah,
1: since it but since it's linked to your account Maybe there's a way that they can say, "Nope, you are not a magic key holder or a DVC person." Potentially, so it doesn't. Anyways, we're going down down a rabbit a hole with weird that one rabbit hole. But, but I'm excited. I'm just, I'm happy that it's that it's coming. I the one thing I am a little sad about is there is a special magic key holder, magic band plus that is available to purchase in person only. And there's, I think, what is it? there like a ten dollar discount on this? Magic Band for Magic Key Holders. I, I was talking with the Weekly tier about this earlier. This is going to be a very difficult thing for me. I'm really bad at making decisions, especially when it comes to things Disney related. So this would have been an easy decision for me. I would have bought the Magic Key Holder Band be, solely because of the discount. It looks cute, too. It's not, you know, it's not amazing, but it's not terrible. But then my decision would have been over. I would have gotten a discount. I would have a Magic Band. Good to go. But I, we don't... We're not going to be there, sadly. So we're not going to be able to purchase one of these. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to be paralyzed with the decision of trying to de- choose which Magic Band Plus I'm going to get. There's so many options. I'm
0: telling you right now that for me, it's going to be a situation like the pins. If I see a design I like, I'm buying it because you it. can link a bunch of these and you can unlink them and relink I know, them but and they're stuff. also
1: they're they're more expensive. The ones that are. are themed, I think, are forty dollars. Somewhere
0: $35, something like that. I'm just really excited that this is finally coming to Disneyland and it's not just Disney World.
1: So the Magic Band Pluses that are just plain, they just have you know, whatever, it's a color. Those are $34.99. If they have some sort of print on them, so like this one I'm looking at at Shop Disney right now has Orange Bird on it, or this one is up-themed. Those are $44.99. So it's $45 for the themed ones. So I'm going to have to be careful. You don't want to buy too well, many those of Epcot those. Those
0: Epcot ones are $54. Yeah,
1: and then some of them, there's um one that's tiana Themed, that's $59.99. That's on Shop Disney right now. Coco, Magic Band Plus, it's very cool, but it's $54.99. So this can get really spendy, really, really fast. So, me, one. I'm good with one. I don't need multiples because that's too pricey, in my opinion, to get multiples. So, I'll probably end up with one of the plain ones because then I don't, then all I have to do is focus on color. I don't have to try and focus on Disney characters, (laughs) but it's going to be a hard choice. I was curious. Are you going to get a Magic Band right away, or oh, yeah. are you going to wait to see if they come out? Because right at Disney World, there's an app that you can get for your Apple Watch that turns your Apple Watch into the Magic Band.
0: No, I wanted. I like the Magic want a bands Band a lot. Yep. There's so many cool designs that I like, and I never understood why we didn't have these at Disneyland. Because I think they're going to sell crazy amounts of these things. But uh, even though they're a little more expensive than than the original Magic the Band, thing,
1: the thing that I wish I wish that the original Magic Bands, you, I wish we had the option because I don't need to glow with the show and have it sure. vibrating and lighting up and all that stuff. I just want it for the convenience. So I wish I could get and use just the right my. Regular Magic Band that mm-hmm. I have from our last trip to Walt Disney World, just for the ease of scanning and stuff. I do like that these are rechargeable. That is that is a pro. Yeah. But as far as the the extra bells and whistles, I don't necessarily need that. Now, will I go check out the new Star Wars Bounty Hunter game? Oh yeah. Yes, because I can. But do is that something I absolutely need to do? Would I have bought a Magic Band just to experience that? No, that's that's not my thing. Sure. But,
0: I love this Epcot one, by the way, but it's fifty five dollars so I don't know if i fifty five dollars love this one, <laughs> but anyway, They're pricey. um, I don't know this magic key one looks kind of interesting. There was that one that was on display at d twenty three that was like a disneyland one this this one. one yep,
1: the one that they've been showing for a while yeah. I haven't actually seen that available to purchase that might be one that you can only purchase at the resort ah, ah. soon
0: ah. Well, I'm excited that the service is coming. That's really what. Oh, the Korean says there's going to be five Disneyland exclusive designs. Well,. I'm sure that they'll keep coming out, like coming out with different things. So, oh, yeah. with Magic Band Plus soft launching this week, more and more guests are using their phones or in the future, their Magic Band Plus to enter the parks. Cast members at Disneyland have reported that physical paper tickets may be phased out for most guests. For guests that want a paper ticket, one can be provided for an additional fee. Again, nothing from Disney officially, but I can buy that this is probably happening.
1: You- is it weird? This makes me very sad. I just, there's something. I loved the paper Fast Pass (laughs) tickets. I love... Because they
4: were a souvenir.
1: Yes, and I love... And it was so fun and exciting to get, you know, the first day of your visit to get one of those paper park tickets. And they always handed it to you upside down with the back facing you. So as soon as you, like, walk through the turnstile, what was the first thing everyone did? They'd flip it over and see what design you got. So that was always fun. Those were things that I always kept. Like, I have... Actually, I have my ticket for my very first park visit, Disneyland park visit ever. Yeah. I still have that. I still have. They had specially themed ones when Vern and I went for Pixar Fest. You know, and they changed the they changed the stuff up. It was always I always hoped for the castle one if it was the classic rotation of stuff. Anyways. So this this just makes me sad that paper tickets Damn. are not going to be well, I, I understand, but it still makes me sad.
0: It's one of those things that was like so easy to put in like a photo album or yeah. like a scrapbook of like, oh that I still sometimes will be digging through stuff and I'll find things and fast pass tickets was a good one. Yeah. Parking passes that you'd stick on your dashboard and tickets were a way to kind of commemorate like, oh yeah, I did have that trip mm-hmm. during this time frame. Cause now what do you have? You don't have any other than like photos, you don't have anything to show when you were at Disneyland. That's true. So that's kind of sad.
1: That's true. The the one thing too that is, and I said this when we got our Magic Keys and Magic Keys were one hundred percent digital. I just i I like also having the comfort of having the physical backup. So that if something happens with my phone, or if I have something happen something happens somehow with my Magic Band and my phone, I still have. The physical ticket, just in case.
0: Yeah, well, you got to get over that. that, Maybe that's just me, but
1: I'm going to miss them, if this is true. Well, this past Friday, the icy peaks of the Matterhorn were once again alive with the screams of guests enjoying the bobsled around after its refurbishment. New seat cushions and refreshed effects are noticeable throughout. Harold, the abominable snowman, was completely refurbished, and the projection effects were replaced.
0: So I'm glad I, I'm curious to see what the projection effects look like because one of the things that I always found difficult is it's so bright outside when you're if it's you're you're going on it during the day and you go up that first lift on it's so dark that it's hard to kind of see the projections because your eyes are still adjusting but I'm very excited that Harold got some love Yay. the seat cushions I heard doesn't I mean people are always going to complain that it's too rough. I just kind of am over it. What did we decide? Didn't we decide that there was like it, where you sat mattered?
1: The, it's Well, the two sides, too. I think the Fantasyland side is smoother than mm. the Tomorrowland side. Okay. That could just be me. But, I just and think- definitely the back, you get whipped around oh, yeah. way more in the back seat than you do in the front seat.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I'm excited that it's back open. It's one of my favorite attractions. It <laughs> always just seems like it's... Uh, there's like a long wait. It always seems. But you know like.
1: what's nice though is I. Th- it is really nice to me. I was talking with someone about this earlier, but it's really nice that they do take the time to put this one down for an extended refurb frequently, and that it keeps getting all the TLC that it that it needs and deserves. I wish, I wish. We're gonna get into this the, into this next one, but I wish they did that with other attractions. because I feel like we have quite a few other attractions that are really needing and showing that they need some TLC and extra TLC uh-huh. and they're kind of almost almost limping along in some stages and it just it makes me sad so it's always yeah. as as much as it's not fun to not be able to go on your favorite attraction because it's down for refurbishment I'm always really happy Glad, thankful, whatever you want to say, that they do take the time to take care of these, yeah. these classics.
0: If you love it, you got to let it take care of itself yes. at sometimes. Well, speaking of an attraction that we love and need some TLC, we previously reported that the Indiana Jones adventure was going down for refurbishment with hopes that it would be an extensive one. Alas... The refurbishment will be a short one of only two days. Mice Chat reports that there were some fixes on the way, but the supply chain delays are what is holding up progress to getting a more extensive refurbishment.
1: This, this poor attraction. Poor, poor Indy. The poor snake. I mean, I could go on and on about all the different major things, the noticeable things that aren't that haven't been working on this attraction for some time but this this attraction is one of the ones I'm talking about that really really deserves and really needs to have an extended refurb to mm-hmm. to give it the TLC it deserves to kind of bring it back to its former glory. I was really sad. I was hoping we were going to get this with pirates, which I don't I don't know.
0: They're still struggling. They're
1: still struggling, but it was down for a it was down for quite a while so i thought that we were going to get a lot of the kinks and a lot of the effects and things working again but it seemed like the last time we wrote it there was it was still lacking on some of the things yeah. but
0: yeah some of the turn the, the far turntable was missing and uh i think that i think that the stuff that they really worked on was the actual like mechanisms that move you through yeah. the attraction because it seemed like that worked a lot oh, better yeah 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 it just Which seemed like good. the the show elements were the things that they maybe struggled a little bit with that
1: yeah. And then the other one, too, that kind of sticks out in my mind right now is Radiator Springs yeah. Racers. It's needed some extra TLC, too. So, like I said, we all love these attractions and these attractions get worked to the bone. So I just I hope that they're able to get it. And maybe I was talking about I don't remember who I was talking about this with. But I, my, I'm my i hopeful that once Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opens next year, that that's going to be the new big draw. That's another big E ticket type attraction. Mm-hmm. So having, adding one of those to the roster will hopefully give them a little bit more
0: breathing room. Breathing
1: to, room to be able to take these yeah. other ones, to take these other big e ticket type attractions down True. for a longer, more extended period. So the, I'm the, hopeful. The
0: problem with Radio Springs Racers is you just need another attraction to draw people
1: to in DCA. MDCA. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful for. Indy having an extended refurb, yeah. I'm hopeful for another extended refurb for Pirates because of Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. But
0: did you see, you see, we didn't put in the news, did you see that there is actual work happening on the treehouse? Like there's work yeah. people
1: they, it looks putting
0: like, the branches back together? Yep, and
1: it looked like there was, um, someone had thought that there was possibly new or refreshed leaves that had it been installed. It did look that way, and yeah. It's getting it, see? TLC, that's what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> I'm, just, I'm really excited to see what eventually comes of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the holiday season at Disneyland is quickly approaching from November 11th through January 8th. Disney Festival of The Holidays is returning with Tina and the Sounds of Celebration, bringing powerhouse vocals and dynamic musicians to perform holiday tunes. Mariachi Divas, mostly kosher, Blue 13 Dance Company, Fat Cat Swingers, and The Mistletoes are all returning. World of Colors, Season of Light, A Christmas Fantasy Parade, and Believe in Holiday Magic are also back.
0: Yeah, so great. Another, you know, the holidays, busy time, lots of cool entertainment. Oh,
1: it's so fun.
0: Um, we actually got to see last year Mostly Kosher perform. They were mm-hmm. pretty good. They were
1: a ton of fun. We kept trying to catch the Fat Cat Swingers, and we kept just missing them, yeah. unfortunately. But we did get to see the Blue 13 Dance Company. They were super fun. Mm-hmm. And the Mariachi Divas as well. I feel well. like we've seen the
0: Mariachi Divas a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that a lot of these things are back. Excited that Season of Light is coming back for World of Color, care about the Christmas Furniture Parade, and Believe in Holiday Magic are coming back. There was a, a rumor that my chat was reporting, but they've corrected that they thought that during the weekdays, we would just be projections only for Believe, but they have corrected out that oh. it is going to go during the busy season, even during the weekdays. So That makes sense. And apparently, I did not know this, so I we thought, of course, in our way, that the reason they weren't doing fireworks during the weekdays was like money. Like it costs a lot of money to put on a fireworks show. My chat reports that the reason that it was there is they're trying to be a better neighbor to people that have kids that have school the mm-hmm. next day. They're trying to not have that amount of noise pollution going on. So that makes sense. They wouldn't do it on the weekends, but they would on yeah. or, or on the weekdays, but they would do it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's pretty cool. I like the fact that that could be a reason that Disney's is trying to be a, a good neighbor. More locations are returning to use with the busy holiday season approaching. The tiny shop Embarcadero reopened in the last week. The shop is home to popular apparel, ear headbands, and jewelry. The merchandise mix is mostly princess themed and not limited to Little Mermaid as it was in the past.
1: So this is a really, really cool shop, and it's probably one that a lot of people don't even necessarily realize is there unless you visited it, but this is located in DCA, and it's Right across from the entrance of the little mermaid attraction. So you've got the if you're standing at the coffee shop, cause right or the coffee shop, the coffee cart, the Joffrey's coffee, the cappuccino. Leave cart, it to you to make t- of course, that's the landmark. That's the landmark. So if you're standing there and looking at the Little Mermaid attraction, it's on your left. Across the street, what is this really cute little corner building? And that's that's the shop that we're talking about. So, again, it's not very large inside, but it is kind of upscale feeling, sure. I guess would be a good way of saying it. It doesn't give you like, here's just all our generic like Disney merchandise that has stuff. Sla- yes, there is that stuff. But you can find lounge flies, kind of like the nicer ears, the fancier jewelry stuff, not just the, the you know, like the jewelry that's in that they keep in the case, not just the ones that are on like the spinners. So things like your Alex and Annie, jewelry, again, like I said, lounge mm. flies, those kind of like the fancier sure. merchandise is here. But it's it's a nice little shop.
0: I think there's only one time I've ever been in this building. And it was, oh, gosh, this is going to be a throwback for some of you folks. I want to say it was 2002. And they had one of the promotions that DCA had was the X Games came to DCA. Mm. And this was an X Games shop. Oh. And I have not, I've literally not ever been in this building since then. So I'm excited to go check it out next time we're there because uh, it's a little cute little space right there. Yep. And that section is weird because half of those buildings is where the bathrooms are housed in. Yeah. And then the other, like, they're just, they're like these facades there's, with yeah, nothing. And there's
1: like, so, yeah, backstage kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: So I'm excited they're using it for, for some shops.
1: A recent feature in the Disneyland app has some new Haunted Mansion themes. Magic key holders have exclusive access to these lenses, which are like filters that you can find in Snapchat. Guests use the Disneyland app and select the menu in the bottom right of the screen, then select Disney Photo Pass lenses. This will show all the options. A Genie Plus subscription is required to use the lenses. The three Haunted Mansion lenses are a Screaming Woman, a Medusa-looking creature, and Constance Hashaway. So the Medusa... Looking creature as they describe in this article, it looks like one of the portraits, like yes. one of the portraits in the hallway there. So I was sad
0: because it comes up in the in the app, and then I tap on it. It won't even show you like a demo. Yeah. It says uh, that you have to get Genie Plus to do it, and then you can share. But I was looking through here because I I honestly they never have, went in here. There, there are a some lot. in
1: here, and I don't. I think they have some free ones, some that don't require you to have the Genie Plus subscription. Maybe I'm. Oh, and this one
0: you on. have to be in certain areas of the park. See, like mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. played with this at all. I didn't even. Did you know all of this was in here? You probably did. We've reported I, no, on it, but I've never not played know with there it.
1: There was this this many Ooh. But I thought that I haven't seen you find one yet. That's like a freebie one that anybody can. Use. I
0: don't think they have the freebie ones. Hmm. I thought that um, we had weekly tiers that were using them this past week or something, though. Maybe because they had Genie Plus and they were in the park. Yeah, but I don't say I'm tapping through everything yeah. and everything requires Genie Plus. But anyway.
1: There's also It's cute.
0: I, and it gives you a little example at the top and that's neat. Are you gonna if we ever get Genie Plus, <laughs> are you gonna play with any of these?
1: I you know, to be honest, probably not because I probably <laughs> won't remember them. Mm. Like that to me that's something that is fun to do probably outside of the parks. Sure. So when I'm in the parks, I'm just I'm distracted by well, let's be honest, everything. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be needing to be playing around in my phone to to entertain myself because I could entertain for hours just sitting in silence and looking (laughs) around at the parks because that's that's just me. But I could see how this would be something fun, something cool to like do with kids while you're waiting in the line or you know something like that, something to keep. That's a great idea. Like when you're in line, Mm
0: -hmm. I just remember there was a Mac app called photo booth that used to do all these like weird things with your face and i remember my old roommate would sit there and laugh at that for hours so i feel like it's very similar to that Well, a new attraction is joining the Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, and others in the board game universe. Space Mountain is a new game from Ravensburger that is now available for purchase. The game includes pieces from all five Space Mountains around the world. Players will race to see who could complete their missions and visit all five spaceports first while avoiding cosmic events and keep an eye on their fuel levels. The game is made for two to four players, ages eight and up, and game time between 20 and 40 minutes.
1: This looks so fun. Okay, first of all, the game looks beautiful. Like, the artwork for the box, the artwork for the board and pieces itself, very fun. And I like that it's not just themed to look like just one Space Mountain and that they've kind of brought every version of Space Mountain in on it. I think that's really cool. But this looks so f- i don't know i'm i'm sold i don't even really understand what like how to play the game or anything like that it just looks really cool and really fun i want it
0: <laughs> i want it too it looks really cool i uh i like the idea I, I like that these games are coming out and they've got really interesting like play styles mm-hmm. and they end up being fun because we've liked the jungle cruise game we've liked the haunted mansion game both totally different from each other. Yeah. There's a big Thunder game which I think would be fun to have, but I haven't bought or played that one yet. There's a
1: big Thunder game. There's a. It's a Small World game too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Do you have to play? It's a Small World. Like while you play, like <laughs> it's a Small World.
1: I mean, I guess you could maybe you get bonus. We points should play if you it with way. Vern,
0: and that would distract him, and then he would. Not do well or something. (laughs) If we were playing like competitively, there you go. I'm excited though. I like these games. I'm glad that they keep being successful, so they keep making more. I wonder what they would make next. I feel like they've hit all the big attractions.
1: Uh, Matterhorn.
0: Oh, that would be cool. Oh, okay. I have like I'm like Matterhorn
1: Pirates of the Caribbean. Has it not been a pirates game Uh, based on the attraction? No, maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Hmm. all sorts of the the possibilities are. There's lots. Well, some favorite souvenirs from around the parks are going up in price. For the first time since 2018, prices have gone up for the open edition pins. Previously, the silver-colored pins were $9.99, which has now increased to eleven ninety nine. The yellow pins have increased to $14.99 from $12, and the pink pricing has remained at $14.99. The blue tier has been removed altogether. Something else that went up in price, too, another favorite... Especially for me, are mini ears, but they have gone up from the base price of twenty nine ninety nine, and they are now thirty four ninety nine.
0: Didn't the ears used to be like twenty four ninety nine?
1: They were, and prior to that, they were back in my day. No, so the first for once me, yes, yeah. So the first time I, so I haven't been buying ears that long. It took me a long time, which is wild to think of now with how many i have it took me a long time to kind of get my toe like to dip my toes in the world of ears because i just knew it was going to be a problem and my other problem was i couldn't decide which pair to be needed to be my first pair of ears so the first set of ears that i purchased was in 2018 at pixar fest
0: you started that late
1: I started that late. My first set of when we first started this podcast, I did not own a single pair of. Well, see, ears. I would have thought that Isn't the that choice
0: crazy? that is crazy. I would have thought that the first choice would have been obvious of like classic mini But ears. there's
1: different versions of the classic. Anyways, mm. this is a whole different can of worms. But they were. T- it was 1999 when I bought those years.
0: So they've almost doubled in price since you got your first pair.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, they have been rising exponentially. Now that is crazy. I will say. There are more options now. They are more elaborate. Sure. Because it used to just be like ears. Sure. And a different color, different whatever bow. Now we've got all sorts of themes. They're kind of like made out of, some of them are made of like that like leathery kind of stuff. There's little extra embellishments on the bows. Well, so this is. It is a little bit more, but still I just. This
0: is hitting both of our. Both of our homes,
1: like because I like pins and you like home. the ears yeah. and pins. I feel like the
0: eleven ninety nine eleven ninety nine for the
1: lowest priced open edition pin. So the open edition pins, for those of you that don't know, we're talking about in the different colors that we're talking about. These are the pins that when you pick them up off the board, they don't actually have a price on the back. It's just it's color coordinated, and so they say, oh, if it's yellow, a yellow pin is this, and you know yeah. that that sort of a thing. There are other pins, and open edition means they're just. They're available and they'll they're just keep making them. are not limited to a certain amount. Whereas limited edition, yes, they only made a certain mm. amount. And once they're gone, they're gone kind of thing. So this makes me sad because pins especially used to be a, like a great souvenir. It was inexpensive. Small. They're small, and small you and know, easily collectible. But when they start, and same thing with ears, not small. But to me, $20 for the pairs of ears, I thought that was a great price point. Yeah. 25 was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Now 30 to 35 it's like yeesh, it's getting expensive yeah, so, I... and they keep coming out with more so yeah i just it's going to be really hard cuz weren't they They're, it's not, be not even that long prices.
0: ago the base price was like 27 and then they went to 29 and yeah. now they've gone to th- mm. I
1: the prices have been have been hiking up fast at what price
0: these. will you have to stop buying years well
1: i'm i've already started slowing down i mm. used to buy a pair a trip and i don't do that every trip it's got to be a pretty dang mm. special set of years for me to purchase them now cuz especially now it Starting at thirty five dollars, that's really well. You that's can that's really pricey. It's the
0: same price as a Magic Band thing. Now you can start your Magic Band collection.
1: No, nope, nope, we're not collect one and done on the Magic Bands. I can't.
0: Let's mark this moment in time. <laughs> that Teresa will only have one Magic yep. Band.
1: One and if I could, I would use my Magic Band that is sitting downstairs that I got at Disney World for free with our hotel stay.
0: Yeah, I just that's mm. not something
1: that I. I want I'm that I are want to, have, to invest money. You're going to have
0: more than one. Even if it's just two, you're going to have more than one. Cuz you're going to see I another design and you're going to be like oh.
1: I don't if I was There's local be like a and nice using, if I was local and using them more frequently, maybe. But I don't think I will. I'm
0: worried that this is going to be my new thing. That like every trip, I'm going to buy a new magic. Band. It's going to
1: be yes. I think magic bands are going to be a problem for you. I don't. Think I they're love the magic bands. I me. love
0: the magic bands.
1: But yeah, I just see I, you got to be
0: like Shannon. You got to have different ones for different. <laughs> holidays she's saying one for christmas and a normal one kate is saying halloween and a christmas one
1: yeah no i'm gonna go with a color and stick with it i'm gonna get one of the plain color ones i think or i'll get like a generic like one of the disneyland themed ones or maybe that magic key one if i can somehow Mm. get a magic key one and solely get the magic key one just because i get the ten dollar discount on it because right everything's going getting more and more expensive as we're Talking about right now. Okay, no.
0: well, if you want to talk about more expenses, I'm Disney's very sad about this Photo too. Pass capture your moment. Private photo shoots have also increased in price. The twenty-minute session with up to eight guests was priced at seventy-nine dollars, which, if we remember correctly, I thought was outrageous at the time. You did. Uh, it's now ninety-nine dollars for that twenty minutes. As a reminder, photos are not included and must be purchased separately or linked to a Photo Pass account.
1: To me, this is this is now this is now getting too high. I could see more people taking advantage, like taking advantage and utilizing the service at the seventy nine dollar price point. And I don't know, ninety nine I think is ninety nine dollars for twenty minutes. I think we're we're stepping into the not as many people are gonna be yep. able to do this range. Seventy nine you could do I, I know it's I know this is going to sound crazy. It's only twenty dollars between the two prices, but it's just Well you're to get extra dollar with, per minute. Well that's true. The thing that's crazy to me about this, though, is I would like to know why, because we just came out with the service. I mean, it, this year, for sure, it's only been a couple of months. We could go back and look at when when this is, when they first came out with this, but it hasn't been around that long. So I, it's surprising to me that they're already increasing the yeah. price on it, unless this is something that they're trying to do because the demand's been too high. So they're trying to
3: cool the demand cool the
1: deman- cool, you know get the demand uh, a little bit lower but i just i can't imagine that so this also makes me sad i'm i'm sad i get that things need to yes disney is a business and all that but i just feel like we're. i'm not understanding these these price increases here
0: yeah it's outrageous i know that there's some concerns with inflation and all these things but it's just like it, it's just like the last couple of weeks all we've talked about is like price is going up price is going up i mean in this episode alone we had three stories didn't we? Wasn't it three, two or three stories of pricing increasing? So, yeah. it's tough. Well, I hope. Last
1: week we talked about ticket increase. Yep. Ticket and Genie Plus and parking yeah. and
0: all that stuff. Yeah. So, well, maybe next week, maybe we'll be like, prices have gone
1: down, but I doubt <laughs> it. I Yeah, I somehow doubt that too.
2: D.O. Weekly announces the boarding of the Trivia Express. Nonstop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding.
4: Welcome to Trivia Land. How we feeling tonight? You excited? You got some good trivia thinking caps on? You ready uh, for this? We'll find no.
1: out. No, I'm a little nervous about this because we were chatting before the recording, and there were other trivia questions that were planned to be asked tonight. Vern was looking through them and got not confused, but was like, "Hmm, I don't Distracted. know much about that," so looked it up, and now we have all brand new trivia questions. So I'm a little nervous. What? Because, that tonight's trivia stemmed from Vern not knowing something. Because
0: I, I fell down a rabbit hole. I don't
1: feel like this is a good way to start. Your rabbit
4: hole is
0: rubbing off on Vern. That's what's happening.
4: It, it was a very interesting rabbit <laughs> hole. It was a... An attraction I'd never heard of before, and then and I...
1: What do you suppose this I is? I don't
0: know. Maybe that's well, the first question. What attraction do you to
4: think find it is? find out in the first sentence of the first Ooh. question. Okay. So, are you ready to fall down my rabbit hole with me? Yes. Let's go. Excellent. Let's do it. Do you remember Superstar Limo?
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know a
0: little bit about this.
1: I never went on it, but I yes, never i went heard of it. it. I never went on Was it. it. Was that our All first right. question? Did we get it right?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> you've never heard of Superstar Limovern? I had it, never I ever mean, heard it of it before. It was short-lived,
1: and yeah. he ha- didn't visit the park while well, it was there. True. So. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah, it's infamous.
4: Superstar Limo was the first dark ride in Disney California adventure and after receiving terrible reviews it was the first ride in dCA to permanently close <laughs> what dates months oh, year was this attraction open
0: February 2001 is when it opened with the park for sure
1: 2001
0: and I'm guessing well she wants he wants month and yeah. year and I'm gonna say it closed in it wasn't very long um 2002 to, I'll say, March of two thousand two.
1: Now here's my question: Did it sit empty for quite a while, or did they reskin it to Monsters Inc. fairly quick? Because when I don't did think Monsters it was Inc. too long.
0: Yeah. I well, I don't, I don't think know. that it was done when the movie, like, re- like I don't think it was a direct like the movie came out. I just think they rethemed it to that later.
1: Oh, so it, like sat, sat. Well, not for, a little
0: for bit. not for a terribly long time, I would guess, but. I'm looking at your Disneyland encyclopedia that probably would tell us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's very true. Um, okay, you, I'm sorry. You said March of '02.
0: March of '02 is when it closed. And I would say...
1: I think it was open longer than that. I I think... That's over mm, a
0: year. February 2001 to March of '02.
1: Just barely over a year. I think it was a little bit longer than that. Okay. But, like, not... T- I don't know if it was later in 02 or if it was 03. I'm going to say 2000. I'll say, oh, we have to do, I'll do February of 03.
0: Oh, so two years. Okay.
1: All right.
4: So you both agree that it opened in February of 01 and Tag says it closed in March of 02 and Teresa says it closed in February of 03. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Final answers. Yeah. Final. Excellent. The original concept for Superstar Limo was that riders were celebrities being chauffeured around and being chased by paparazzi. Mm-hmm. At the beginning and end of the ride, a video starring then-CEO Blank welcomed the riders to the attraction and then bid them farewell. Michael Bob.
1: Eisner. Oh, yeah.
0: Is that your final answer? Bob Iger.
1: <laughs> yes, Michael Eisner. That was awful.
0: I was like, Teresa... Yeah, because Michael Eisner was CEO till 2005 when Bob Iger took over.
1: Do you know what was worse is I saw Michael Eisner's face in my head you still as said Bob I said Iger? Bob, and I was like, nope, <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, no, no. All right, your third regular round question, still in my weird rabbit hole with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I now understand why you were confused by superstar level, because yeah. it, it was from what I've heard yeah, it's a very a unique con- attraction. It's a confusing and unique thing. And if you didn't know it existed, it's a very not very typical Disney thing. Yeah. So, your third question.
4: After the death of Princess Diana while being chased by paparazzi, it was deemed poor taste to have an attraction based on oh, being chased yeah. by paparazzi. The ride was changed to feature celebrities in a ride through Hollywood. Can you name the
0: featured celebrities?
1: Uh, I, I know Drew Carey was in I knew Drew Carey
0: it. was in there. I think um, I feel like Whoopi Goldberg was in there because yes, she was I in the other too. part. How many? How many were there, Vern? Ten. Oh Ten. my gosh! We have to- so we got Drew Carey and Whoopi Goldberg. So that's two. I don't know if I could tell you anymore. Who Who are famous people back in two thousand one? I
1: Genuinely, only know. Is it like? But it'd be people you'd see in California. So like Dolly Parton probably would not be on that list.
0: Well, do you think when they rejiggered it, did they? I guess Princess Diana wasn't in it.
1: No, she wasn't in it.
0: Mm, I don't remember who all the famous people were back then.
1: I, yeah. I ne- Well, I never... I didn't ever experience this. I have just seen... I've seen photos yeah. of it.
0: Drew Carey is the one that I always see photos
1: mm-hmm.
0: of. Um, I do want to say that voice of DL Weekly, Andy Mack, also a uh, previous guest, is in our chat that we we're <laughs> streaming into. And he said he knows a bunch of these... But why? Why do I know this information? I mean, (laughs) for for a trivia like today, exact
1: moment, Andy. That's why.
0: But I'm gonna click off because I don't want him to say anything in there, and then we end up.
1: You don't want to. You don't want to phone a friend. (laughs) Phone our friend Andy Mac.
0: No. 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 No.
1: Well, I'm giving up because those are the only ones.
0: I give up too. So, Drew Carey, Whoopi Goldberg, and I don't know of anybody else.
4: Okay. Jennifer Aniston.
0: Jennifer Aniston. Mm -hmm. Okay.
4: All right, so Drew Carey, Whoopi Goldberg, and Jennifer Aniston. Is that your final answers?
0: Yeah. All right. And let's add a line for Andy.
1: And then Andy's saying Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan,
0: Cindy Crawford, and Tim oh, Allen. Oh, Tim Allen, huh? Yeah. We got, uh, we got some more typing, so hold on. We might, we might have some more here. If
1: Andy knows all 10, I'm going to fall over.
0: No, he just said it was the worst oh. ride in the history of the company. <laughs> all right, that's, that's good.
4: All right. And your fourth and final regular round question. After closing the attraction, a few rethemed ideas were tossed around trying to keep close to the original idea. Do you know the top two contenders? No. No.
1: No, I do not.
0: No. No?
1: Wow. I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah, me too. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. So apparently we're not feeling very good about this tonight.
4: All right. And your bonus question tonight. Which ride replaced Superstar Limo and still functions in that space to Yay! this day?
1: Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue. I was going
0: to say, do you know the little tagline for it? Mm-hmm. You do.
1: It's so cute. Now I'm curious. And
4: Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue. Is that your final answer? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, listeners... How much do you know about Superstar Limo? How do you feel about what Tegan and Teresa know about Superstar Limo? Stick around and we can all find out together.
0: Well, this week for our discussion topic, we are speaking with founder, CEO of Storyland Studios and a Disney alumni, alumnus. So we were trying to figure that out beforehand. Uh, but let's welcome Mel McGowan to the show. Hi, Mel. Hey, good to be with you guys. Thanks for the invite.
1: Well, we are so excited to kind of dive into your Disney history and just talk all things Disney with you. But first, we'd like to get to know you a little better. Can you please tell us your Disney story?
2: Ooh. Uh, well, it's probably pretty early in the DNA. My, again, my two earliest memories growing up, I've probably told this story too many times, but earliest <laughs> memory, uh, I was born in Vietnam, uh, outside of Saigon. So I remember bombs going off. Uh, and got out right before the fall, of I got, wow. and then the second earliest memory kind of slightly contrasted with that was, was looking down main street USA at night and seeing the the pin lights outlining the, the building. So there was kind of a, you know, two contrasting, uh, yeah. visions and memories of the world, probably the world as it was versus the world that could and should be. And I think those two memories kind of collided and burned a, burned itself into my brain, because even though I didn't really grow up in Southern California, grew up in Germany, kind of a military brat, um, you know, I still, you know, have this weird uh, memory slash image of what really, not just Disney, but to me, that was what America was, as opposed to, uh, you know, the environment that I grew up in. And so just that kind of, you know, created an early uh, spark of inspiration where I started wow. drawing theme parks and. Uh, future cities and you know stuff when I was you know probably 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, so that was probably the the start of the, the story. But my dad actually did work at Disney, so uh, that was one of the reasons we we got to see those lights down uh, Main Street. Uh, and uh, you know, just I wrote my first letter to you know what was then called Wed Enterprises. Now it's Walt Disney Imagineering, I think when I was probably twelve. Yeah, to get my That's first awesome. rejection letter, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, stay in school, kid. You know, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, the first time I got to go to Disneyland, you know, I actually, you know, sent him another letter, you know, offering all this great free creative consulting and all the ideas that they needed to... Actually, it was more things they needed to fix as well as some <laughs> blue sky ideas and and got my second cease and desist letter at that point. now <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so that was... Yeah, yeah, know, kid. Move on. Sites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> set those sites pretty early on and then got wow. to go work there when I was still finishing up my film degree. so wow, wow,
1: that's incredible. What did your dad
2: do? You know, he was just moonlighting. He was uh, in the military, so he was moonlighting, worked for Ron Dominguez, Dick Nunes, some of those old <sighs> Operator wow. guys in yes. uh, security and theme park operations. So, um, yeah, and oh, he his real claim to fame was he uh, played stand up bass, and so he got to jam with the Royal Street Bachelors every once in a while. Oh wow, uh, yeah, and uh, and so that was kind of a big deal. So every time, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Club Thirty Three, but th- there's a, a kind of a. Uh, side lounge, jazz lounge, and they've got a painting of the the bachelors. And uh, the, the the gimmick of the room is that uh, each of the bachelors slowly disappear, and then you see their ghost playing the instrument. Uh, oh. And so I, I always kind of think of my dad getting to jam with these.
1: Oh, that's these so cool! When I
2: see him. So. Wow,
0: it's on our bucket really cool. list to try to get into Club Thirty Three. I know we actually have a a listener who is trying to like he's on the wait list, mm-hmm. um, and he's trying to get in. He actually has a friend that is a member, and so he's trying to work some magic for us to try to get us in there, but uh, we have not been lucky enough to do that yet, but we are very excited, to. And we, there was days. and there was another um, listener, too, who um, had invited us, but scheduling has just never worked mm-hmm. out for it, so one of these days, I heard it's totally well, whenever awesome. Whenever you can magical.
2: fit it into your schedule,
1: uh, I yeah, highly right?
0: recommend it. <laughs> well, if we lived out there, oh, uh, like we would make it happen, but uh, because we have to fly out there and do all that stuff, it becomes a little more a little challenging unfortunately. I hear you. I hear you. All right, well let's 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 see how you do on this one. So when you go to Disneyland on the first day of one of your you know of a visit, which way do you go? Do you go left towards Adventureland? Do you go through the castle to Fantasyland? Do you go right towards Tomorrowland? What's how do you kind of attack it first day of the park? Okay, that's an easy question. The harder
2: oh. question would have been, you know, the right tunnel or the left tunnel. But oh,
1: yeah.
2: uh, the easy question is clockwise, got to go through Adventureland, you know, mostly because that was the the way that my dad, who gave me one of the best guided tours uh, on the first trip that I was old enough to remember, uh, took me through. And back then, um, again, before the pay one price, uh, you know, you really did one land at a time and you, you did the A, B, C, D, E attractions and you know it was land by land and one one cohesive loop and there was none of the zigzagging you know e-ticket marathon kind of stuff <laughs> trying to get you fast passes or whatever so it was it was like to me that's the the proper way to go because and second to that Tomorrowland just looks way better at night kind of like vegas it looks way better at night than it does <laughs> in the daytime and there's a little bit of energy there but uh yeah that's kind of like tradition for me but uh, like i said i think the trickier question is Tunnel right, tunnel left. I'd love to well, hear. Well, now, your
1: now I need to know tunnel right or tunnel left for you. We always tend to go right. I have no idea yeah? why.
2: Okay. Well, that's the right way to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I I say that for two reasons. You know, it's a lot easier, especially first time guests, to not get the visual intrusions of the old admin building, the Matterhorn, mm. uh, Space Mountain. You know, mm. um, but the the second reason uh, for me, like I, I love taking guests through and showing them Tony Baxter's 1955 opening day recreation model in the uh mm. you know lincoln lobby there so that's yeah. that's pretty pretty awesome isn't that is you know really over cool. orientation piece to the park so
0: that's really but interesting yeah you know, oh sorry you got to show them waltz apartment of course on the oh, way yeah. out so, yeah it's really interesting because i want to say the la- like not not consecutive but in, in the last i don't know eight months We've had three, I think, guests, when we've asked this question, ask about the tunnels or mention the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And before that, like nobody had mentioned the tunnels <laughs> to us. And so the last couple of times we went, Teresa and I have paid attention to that because for whatever reason, that's the way yeah. I will say. It's your establishing shot. It's the opening, you know. Yeah. And, can, and it's, it's a big deal. You but know? Your, your rationale behind it's really good that you're not getting all the visual intrusions now. The other thing, too, is I for some reason, I feel like other trips, not this last one, but generally I feel like when I exit, I exit on the right hand side because I always do this thing on the last night of a trip. I stop right before the exit before the tunnel and mm-hmm. I turn around. I get one last look of Main Street. Usually it's at night. This trip we happen to leave in the middle of the day, but <laughs> usually it's at night. So it's really pretty. I take it all in. And I do a till next time and I turn around and I, I don't look back, you know, I turn around and I walk out. <laughs> yep. And so and usually it's that tunnel. But for some reason, um, this last time we, we went out the other tunnel, but it was also middle of the day. So who knows? <laughs> but I'm with you. Exit on the right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So speaking of favorite things at the park, what is your favorite attraction? And even though this is a Disneyland podcast, we do allow you to choose any attraction from any of the Disney parks.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that's actually an easy one. Either way, Um, you know, again, I, along with those two early memories I shared with you, one of those other from that same trip, looking down the the lights, I had forgotten was flying out the Darling window. Oh, yeah. And Peter Pan's flight, and again, I, I I probably was maybe four. It was around the fall of Saigon, so I was four or five, seventy nineteen seventy four. Um, when I came back and I was old enough to kind of have some sense of what was going on, I'd be like, that was the one thing. And my dad wouldn't let me, We like I said, we were going around clockwise, <laughs> but I was dying to figure out how they pulled that out. How did I get thrown out the window? And I didn't die.
0: And, uh, <laughs> well,
2: anyways, it's, it's fun though, because we we got to work on the e-ticket version of Peter Pan. I've actually gotten to work on a few Peter Pan attractions over the years, but that's a special one for me. And it's finally getting a much deserved e-ticket uh, in Tokyo, mm-hmm. and uh, if you haven't heard about, you know, fantasy springs and that, that looks—it's so
1: incredible. Cool. Like, I wanted to go to Tokyo anyways. We haven't been, but now look, seeing what they're doing there, I'm just like, yeah. Meh.
0: Well, now you got to wait. Now you
2: got to wait. Now
1: I have to wait. I'm like, I can't go now. I got to wait. But it looks
0: looks so You know, I always say, um, you know, for anybody who's been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, this is just repeating the same thing. But Oriental Land Company, man, I love them because it's just like, (laughs) here's a check, whatever you need, make it happen. And uh, like, you know, design, whatever, over design, whatever. We don't care. Unlike the U.S. parks where it seems like, uh, where can we kind of... Keep this as there's, lowest budget there's, possible.
2: Uh, there's uh, pros and cons. I'll tell you, it's not quite that easy. But right. you know, it, it comes with its own challenges. But um, I will tell you that there's a consistency there for sure. Yeah. There's a, there's you don't have these big pendulum swings with different leader personalities, and you know, yeah. we're gonna tighten the range. We're gonna you know go all IP crazy or this or that. I, they definitely almost have the Bible of of uh, Jim John, Jim Cora. Dick Nunes, uh, you know the spirit of Walt Disney. They they don't mess with with those operating principles, and and uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a challenge to get stuff approved creatively. But uh, you're right; they they definitely understand the ROI of of investing in quality, which does really harken back to Walt's approach of, you know, hey, I don't really care so much about the spreadsheet. I want to, you know, I'm an intuitively. Know that this is worthy of. Well, that much.
0: Of I think what it comes down to is that uh, if you look in history, um, is the the company does best when you have a creative leader and a financial oh. leader together, like working in tandem. So when you had Walt and Roy, things were doing really well. When you had um, Eisner and Wells, things were working really well. And it's when one of those folks is gone, and it becomes too too creative or too financial. That's what you end up with. So right now, I think we're too financial because I think Bob Chapek is really focused on money and the bottom line and the shareholders and everything. Um, but, you know, a few years, you know, with when Eisner, you know, it was just Eisner and he lost the financial side, it seemed like that caused some problems too. So it's, you know, it's just, it's a hard thing and it's hard, It's it's rare to have a company that you need two people kind of leading it, but from two kind of different ways. But let's talk about... Your journey with Disney and what you've done, and of course, I'm sure we'll talk about um, what you do today too. But how did you get started with Disney? How did that come about? Um, working for Disney, and 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 is there anything special that stands out to you that that um, that you think is super interesting to talk about?
2: Well, like I said, I mean, I was probably had my sights set on Disney pretty early on. I, um, you know, I I was getting ready to graduate, and I was actually interviewing for some international uh, jobs that would have been sexy and cool and fun and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. pretty good compensation. And, um, you know, I had actually one guy offered me a pretty, pretty amazing job, but he said that everything about you, every, every word you're saying, you're, you're like oozing, you know, uh, this, this pixie dust aura that screams <laughs> Disney that, that, and he's just like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, you have this job if you want it, but, If I was your dad, if I was you know giving you any advice, it just seems like if you got into the right fertile soil, the right kind of ecosystem, and you know, like Disney, it would be worth just getting in to sweep. You know, you know, just get a job in the broom closet as a sweeper (laughs) winter. You know that you'll do well. You know, and I took his advice, um, and so I was still finishing uh, film school, but I went to work at the Disneyland hotel for (laughs) seven bucks an hour um, getting yelled at by angry guests because, uh, Disney had just bought the hotel. They hadn't renovated oh. it. They hadn't designed it or built it. We yeah. had, uh, you know, um, ratted carpets, cockroaches. It was, it was kind of a, you know, it's a long story, but basically <laughs> to be able to get over there and start, uh, you know, going through their leadership development and training stuff, get a little bit of operation stuff and to to be able to finish my uh, grad degree at Cal Poly, same school that, uh, uh, Barbara Boozman and Bob Weiss went to um, a l- little bit before me, but to get the master's degree uh, focused on master playing design, architecture, all that good stuff, all those design disciplines. And then uh, for actually Disney to pay for that um, while I was working on the project. And, you know, I don't know how far back your history goes with Disney, but uh, when I started there in 1990, you know, Disneyland was always great, of course, but the uh, the city around it was kind of sort of going to hell in a handbasket and you had hookers walking the streets and you could rent rooms by the hour for use uh, with those, you know, nice ladies and you could rent uh, rooms uh, for the month. You know, if you're homeless getting ready to, you know, uh, lose your apartment and you needed a kitchenette unit and uh, you know, we had stray bullets going right through the glass of the Disneyland hotel. Welcome to the happiest place on earth, you know, right, right around where they're building the new DVC tower right now that used to overlook a pretty rough neighborhood called the Jeffrey Lynn neighborhood. So, you know, the task of uh, not just coming up with a new ride, you know, cause mm-hmm. Disney had, you know, done that while I was there, you know, Indiana Jones, yeah. you know, the, the, whatever anniversary that was, was a kind of a big deal in 1995, but they, they got to the point where we couldn't just keep reinvesting, you know, hundred million dollar attractions with that, with the area around it kind of decaying and, you know, and they had recognized of course the, the resort, you know, length of stay modeled at Disney World and all the other Disney parks around that, you know, what what does, what happens when you have a second gate, when you have a longer length of stay, you know, higher per capita spend. And so, you know, the opportunity to work with Disney, the city, figuring out how to work the the strategery, <laughs> left brain, <laughs> right brain finances to, again, not just do a second park, mm-hmm. but really to, again, to clean up uh, what eventually became, I think, 1100 square uh, acres that disney ended up acquiring uh, expanding wow. from that original 160 acres of orange groves mm-hmm. uh, so you know, not quite but almost two square miles uh you know that surrounded that not only the disney property but the the former uh, anaheim commercial recreation zone so long story but you know you don't often get to tear up a, a 100 acre black asphalt parking lot and put up a paradise <laughs> and put up a, a national park and th- that was kind of a challenge you know like you know, my wife loves the Wilderness Lodge, and and I I'm, and I'm, I always feel like wow, the Grand California was kind of, you know, a, a harder design challenge because we didn't mm-hmm. have this pristine natural 400 acre lake and cypress forest, and you know, we actually had to create the the view, you know, the the, yeah. the, the Grizzly Peak, and um, and so yeah, it's it's kind of fun to. Let people, you know, actually spend the night, uh, in a Disney park. Cause that was one of the stories I remember my dad would tell me he'd try to sweep the park, you know, at night, uh, in security, and they'd try to, you know, walk through and make sure everybody's out. And uh, <laughs> once in a while. they'd have kids like, uh kind of sneak onto the parts of the Caribbean, jump over the boat, try to hide out in the little Caribbean <laughs> village. And I remember thinking, you should not have told me that. That is an awesome, <laughs> awesome like, idea. You're like, wait, can't we can wait to that? try it. <laughs> so so the from the second I got in there, I was fixated on, you know, going beyond just eight to twelve hour guest experience. But what could what would it look like for to let people fall asleep, wake up, you know, in the magic. And uh, you know, eventually that, you know, we tried some different locations uh behind between Main Street Tomorrowland on the rivers of America where Star Wars galaxy's Edge is Now Mm -hmm. we we looked at doing a wilderness lodge uh, type concept, but, you know, finally getting to do the grand Californian in the golden state uh, grizzly peak area was kind of a a dream. Of course, the next level of evolution of that is galaxy's edge and and, uh, the star cruiser. But now uh, we're getting to do projects, you know, beyond Disney that uh, expand that to a whole nother level. (laughs)
1: And a different scale.
2: So that's kind of fun. Some of the international work we're getting to do these days of kind of blurring the line between, you know, attractions and live entertainment and kind of theater and hospitality. And yeah, it's, it's kind of fun kind of breaking those paradigms a little bit.
1: Wow. It's, you know, so I, the first time I visited downtown Disney, uh, you know, that was all like that, that was in development. And I remember my first visit, it was like, walls and like dca's coming kind of thing so i never got to visit the parks when it was kind of the parks here and the disneyland hotels way over there and that's that and, and the parking oh, lot yeah, there's a parking lot um so it's really it's really interesting for me to hear about the time when all you know when downtown disney and grand california and even the disneyland hotel in its current state wasn't a thing. It's just it just goes together so cohesively and it makes so much sense that it's really hard for me to think that oh no this was like this happened later. So kudos to I mean <laughs> everyone that you included and everyone that did that because it's just it's fascinating. So can you kind of talk to us about that process? How do you take that blank Page basically of like neighborhoods and stuff, and say, oh, well, we're just gonna put this here because, like I said, it just fits so well. I, it it's amazing to me.
2: Well, I got to give you know a lot of credit words to you. You know, you had I had some you know great mentors and um, some some really truly great kind of visionaries and urban designers that really you know tra- you know guys like. Uh, Uh, Tim or Galen, you know, a lot of names that aren't really known to to Disney fandom, uh, you know, these days, Uh, Wing Chow is a kind of a Mm. Disney legend. A lot of people, you know, know Wing, but you know, the the designers that were interested beyond the berm, you know, not just Mm -hmm. trying to do a new, you know, ride, um, you know, but but actually thinking at a a bigger urban mixed use kind of scale. Uh, And in, in the case of Disneyland. I mean, because we could talk about projects at any at location around the world, but every every site has a to me a soil specific story, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we actually start with the idea of story of, uh, and and we actually have a process we go through at Storyland Studios called uh, Story Circles, where we we actually try to facilitate lots of conversations around uh, you know these three uh, story circles of character, setting, and plot. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I learned that from the process of how we figured out the right story to tell on that black asphalt, you know, former citrus (laughs) grove in Anaheim of of trying to figure out, okay, what are, what's the unique psychographic demographics of the audience that we're trying to, you know, speak to? Uh, What's the, the right, what's the setting, the soil specific context and setting that, you know, what's the story that could and should only be told on this site right across from Walt's original creation in disneyland because you know it, it's easy to cut and paste concepts from you know you know before i got involved there was a, a one that got away project called westcott you know mm, a west yes. coast version of epcot and as cool as that would have been um you know and you know you no know, uh, doris hardoon you know uh, Tony tony there were some amazing imagineers that were looking to do something that was far more dense and complex and beautiful and lush than than uh, even as much as i love epcot center in florida it still would have been the West Coast version of Epcot. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't this yeah. fully original kind of thing. And so, again, you know, I just a big believer that there's some unique story to tell on it on each site. Um, you know, and then again, the plot. You know, why why are we even doing this? And and I, I kind of I think at a high level just touched on some of the why's behind doing something in Anaheim, where you, we have to protect this investment. You know, or yeah. else it's almost better to just pull up stakes and, and go to landfill in Long Beach and do. Disney Seas, you know, like they were talking about doing. Uh, And, you know, ultimately, the idea of shoring up that original investment, that original destination of Disneyland, finding the right complement to that, you know, the original strategy was, okay, we want to, we don't want to do more of the same, we want to, we want to contrast intentionally with that. Um, From a master planning perspective, I I can just share with you, one of my things was connecting the dots, you know, connectivity, Mm -hmm. you know, because the original park was, And I'm going to have to really edit here because I could go on for hours. No, you're fine. Yeah, the original park was, you know, very much done to mid-century, utopian, Mm -hmm. modernist planning, you know, based on freeways and cars, right? So you had a freeway off-ramp, you had uh, a gated theme park, and then you had an ocean of parking. And then you had these big arterial streets, you know, that surrounded this, you know, square mile grid. No one would ever think that you might want to go from your motel across Harbor Boulevard and actually get on your feet and walk to the front gate of Disneyland. No one ever thought that you might want to leave your hotel room at the Disneyland hotel and walk into Disneyland. Why would anyone do that when we've got, you know, buses and cars and trams and whatever. I mean, I I remember when the monorail operation was down at Disneyland hotel, um, you know, guests would easily wait 45, 50 minutes for the next monorail for a tram. They would never think of crossing that big desert of cars. And so there was a level of just trying to say, hey, how can we connect the dots from, you know, the Disneyland Hotel on one end to the pedestrian spine of retail and the restaurants, Harbor Boulevard, you know, because there's kind of a there's enough of a just a public urbane, you know, just trying to be nice to the family that can't afford to, to be at the Grand Californian like they should be able to you know, walk to the park too. And so we had almost a mi- three quarters of a mile of stuff to connect. Wow. Uh, and so trying to figure out how we can make that pedestrian connection happen. And by the way, that's a, that's a long walk. I mean, uh, most mm-hmm. malls uh, when you do retail planning uh, that's, that's like a quarter mile, five minute walk from one end of the anchor store to the other anchor. Most people, if they saw how long it was, they would do exactly <laughs> what those guests did you know, at the Disney Hotel, they wouldn't even think of walking it. They would say, yeah, forget that. I'll wait. And this is before Uber, before whatever, but they'll wait for a tram or whatever. And so we designed this kind of curvilinear meandering pedestrian spine that, you know, you never quite see how long it is. There's a fountain or there's a tower. Or there's something to kind of, you know, breadcrumbs that kind of keep you walking before <laughs> you realize, hey, I, I just happen to be in the middle of these two great uh, theme parks. And then, you know, separate from that, Whenever you have things like surface parking and you're in more of an urban context, like Disneyland became in the 90s, land isn't as cheap as it was when it was Orange Groves, right? If you're in Manhattan or downtown LA and now Orange County, when land costs over a million dollars an acre, you're not thinking surface parking anymore. And so that idea, you know, needing to go up, doing the world's largest parking garage, keeping cars off surface streets, doing direct freeway on ramps, off ramps from the HOV lanes. I mean, a lot of this stuff was Utopian, Buck Rogers kind of. Futuristic master planning that, uh, you know, was kind of we felt in the spirit of what Walt Disney was trying to do. Actually, one of his biggest urban planning influences was a guy named Victor Gruen, uh, an Austrian architect that designed the shopping mall. Uh, Mm. But Victor Gruen became ashamed of the shopping mall. He called them them his (laughs) bastard children. But uh, but. But he was really into future, you know, planned communities. So his firm actually designed some of the master plan communities in Orange County. Um, But Walt Disney was really enamored with some of his thinking and work and a lot of his approach of having cars kind of, um, you know, parked around the perimeter and parking garage and really keeping the, the core as a pedestrian spine was really kind of came from his work. And we actually were able to execute and implement that. So in some ways, we feel like what we did at Disneyland Resort was actually truer in spirit to some of the thinking around what Epcot uh, the city was going to be oh, more yeah. so than a permanent world's fair or a, a, a crazy sprawling 45 square mile, very beautiful, very magical suburban sprawl where you have to take buses and boats and, and cable cars from one mm-hmm. part to another when, you know, you could just do it, you know, cause I, I love the fact that you could, just park a car and not yeah. think about it for a couple of days and, you mm-hmm. know, walk at the scale of little kids feet and get around because <laughs> you know, it, it really harkens back to my childhood in Europe where you could actually walk for miles yeah. And, yeah. and just have a wonderful time and have a full life, you know, uh, in the in the at the scale of a human being and, and feet rather than freeways.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned with downtown Disney that you, it's purposely set up to kind of. Make it so you can't see from you know one end to the other, so that you don't have that daunting. Oh my gosh! Um, I'm gonna admit I was today years old when I realized, oh yeah, that is a way longer walk because I have been following those breadcrumbs happily for years now, and I, I mean I know it's I know in my brain it's long because it takes a while, but it never like you just said it doesn't because of how it's set up visually, it doesn't ever feel like it's you know you know what it away. felt like
0: that. So when when we were there for your wedding and I had to go back to the hotel <laughs> that was off a of harbor, but her wedding was happening at the Island Hotel. When you're trying to just get somewhere and you're navigating through people and you're not paying attention to those breadcrumbs or the curves and you're just paying attention. Like, I'm trying to get somewhere. I've got a mission. That's how you can tell when you know it's a long way. Cause I, I remember walking through going, I feel like this is never going to end. And then you get, then the esplanade even is really wide. Cause usually that's where you're stopping. Mm-hmm. Right. So you cut the esplanade in half usually. Uh, but I was walking through the esplanade and that was big too. A couple of things I want to say about that design. Uh, One of the most impressive things to me about the downtown Disney section is that area between Tortilla Joe's and the Disney and um, ESPN zone or whatever it is now. That is a bridge that goes over a road, but you would never if you didn't know that or pay attention to that, you would never know that that's what was happening. And that is amazing to Mm me because you can't even hear traffic no and it's right there (laughs) well you know that was definitely one of the
2: consternation points you know because there were there were different designs to to go more north south you know from the disney hotel to the future garage um i thought it was really important to to be able to walk to the parks and have more that east west spine and um that that road used to be called west street that was the western boundary of the city of anaheim now named Disneyland Drive, mm-hmm. that was kind of a big deal, right? And so that that original, a lot of the, the original master plan we did for the Disneyland Hotel, we called it West of West. Wow, that was that was the, that was the resort area around the Paradise Pier. What's now gonna be the Pixar Place Hotel, mm-hmm. the Disneyland Hotel, uh, and the campground, the the parking areas. But I was really concerned because I thought uh, people aren't gonna want to cross that that right. moat, right? Of the or the the parking because it's a pretty fast moving wide mm-hmm. arterial street and so working with the city uh you know to go ahead and dip that road down but it, it's one thing to do a pedestrian bridge which is already expensive but to to drop the road uh beneath it uh it's not as insane as some of the the um the water bridges they have in florida where you got you know steam crossing right over right <laughs> um you know the roadway but still is pretty pretty aggressive because that's a public right of way street and that's that's the bigger half is we really had to partner with the city and and yeah. there was uh there was a whole public private partnership there helping them figure out how much money they could spend uh, and without taking a dime out of the, the, the resident taxes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and really being paid for out of the hotel bed tax. Um, But, you know, from a design perspective, one of the things I'll say about that is I lost the battle because I thought that we, we needed buildings on that. We needed a Ponte Vecchia. We needed to totally hide the the street and the palm Mm -hmm. trees. Uh, And the reality is, uh, you know, just, Putting the the little carts and the tables and umbrella and you know a layer of planting, uh, it, it was okay that you still saw those, uh, those you know Beverly Hills style you know Sunset Boulevard palm trees. People don't even notice; it just no. feels mm-hmm. like California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I was arguing for probably what would have been a little bit even more of an expensive, uh, mm-hmm. elaborate solution. But uh, I'm glad it worked out. So
0: yeah, that's just amazing. The the other aspect that's in that same kind of vicinity that I personally i love it uh teresa doesn't get the uh, she doesn't have the the attachment to it with the nostalgia like i do i guess oh, yeah. but I the tram route from the parking garage to disneyland is also just a ma- like masterfully done because you don't really pay attention that you went under the the road you know that's that's bringing cars in you don't pay attention that you're going along a road like there's enough distraction there and trees and everything that it's you don't even realize that you're you're right there doing this and it's such a you it's its you know in florida everybody talks about the disney bubble and i feel like when you get into the parking structure whether it's the pixar pals parking structure or mickey friends now you as soon as you get on that tram you've kind of entered the bubble for the day and so you are going through there's a lot of green greenery there's some decorations there's music playing it's just amazing and it's something that i don't like you know, people think of all the stuff like you're saying, like the park stuff, right? Like attractions and lands. But really, all these external things are super important too. Like, how are you going to get people from the garage to there? You want to put the garage on the outskirts, like you were saying, but you don't want to just put it right there. You want to put it like far north and to the side, like you don't want it to be anywhere near the entrance. I don't know. It's just... I love it. I just want to say, I think it's done great. Yeah,
2: I appreciate that. I mean, I'm glad you recognize there's some good modernist, clean uh, architectural design in the garage. And, uh, you know, as far as flow, there's some beautiful landscape architecture that, you know, SWA from Laguna Beach did the layers. I mean, because you're you're tramming past a lot of Mm -hmm. back of house areas. And uh, to screen that, and you know, to the point where a lot of people were just choosing to walk you know, rather than uh, wait for the next tram or, you know, I mean, obviously during COVID when they weren't running trams, right. you know, it's actually not that bad of a, of a walk. So pretty big deal. I, I can't believe I'm so bummed that the, uh, the garage on the uh, the Eastern side is still not done because our, our whole original match plan flow was that, you know, southbound, you'd uh, access those, those uh, Western lots and Mickey and friends, but, you know, from the, from the northbound I-5, um, you know, still waiting patiently <laughs> to be able to, you know, not have to traverse the resort, but to be able to deck right into a, a garage and then right. have the trams meet in the middle. That really would help uh, the overall flow. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great that uh, they finally built those pedestrian bridges to downtown mm-hmm. Disney. It kind of makes it really
0: and I really hope that in the future that they're able to finish the what was called the Eastern Gateway yeah. Project because exactly, yeah. that yeah that that the would land be is amazing. There. The,
2: it's the the plans there, the land is there, it's just waiting to happen. I'm just like I can't believe it. However many years later, quarter right. century, it's still not done. You know, that but, uh,
1: I feel like that was one of the first things that we like talked about when we started the podcast. <laughs> it feels so that way. It's been at least five years, I think, but it's yeah. Yeah, there's some just,
0: politicking going on
2: there. Oh yeah.
1: Yes, I'll I'm tell
0: sure. you though, um, just I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, so they, they have this Disneyland what, Disneyland Forward project, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good because there's a lot of parking space over there. I mean, if you're gonna expand anything. There's not really any room where the old parking area was because right. it's DCA and you've got your shopping and you've got Disneyland. So the only place to expand directly, um, there's tons of surface lot. What do you think about the kind of ideas? I mean, right now it's all blue sky and we haven't really heard much of it since they initially announced it. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I mean, even 20 years
2: plus ago when we were doing the master plan, we recognized that the surface black asphalt parking lots uh, of of today or of back then <laughs> are the fertile fields of imagination for tomorrow, right? And so the idea that, look, long-term stewardship, you know, it is never going to make sense for this to always be a surface parking lot, right? Um, I think back in the day, we thought we were being pretty radical, innovative in terms of the Disneyland Resort specific plan to cast this vision of an Anaheim Resort garden district and to have these, you know, rather than the traditional, land-use zones, residential, retail, commercial, office. You know, we, we actually said, hey, we, we'll, we'll have some flexibility. We'll create a, a theme park district. We'll create a parking district, a, you know, kind of a, a retail dining entertainment district, a, a hotel district. And I think, um, you know, the the diff- the big news on Disneyland Forward is, is simply, hey, wouldn't it be great to have something closer to what Disney enjoys in Florida with the Reedy Creek Improvement District? Like, hey, let's just have a, a Disney district. Uh, because bottom line today, you know, take something like a, a galactic star cruiser. Um, is that an attraction? Is it a restaurant? Yeah. Is it yeah. is it a you know hospitality? Yes, <laughs> it's all that <laughs> you know. So you know that that idea of if you're doing Westworld, you know, uh, you know, you're blurring the lines. You're you're you really want to not have such a distinction between the the, the old fashioned land use thing. So giving Disney the flexibility to to basically say, hey, look. We can figure out parking. We'll make it, we could, we could vertically stack parking, but the old suburban horizontal land use separation of, you know, I I think of that whole model as I I use the analogy of uh, if you've ever had a Chicago deep dish pizza, um, you know, you enjoy that, that vertical, you know, stacking of all those (laughs) ingredients, right? What modern suburban urban planning was, was we're going to blow up the pizza and we're going to stack the pepperoni in the pepperoni zone, the cheese in the cheese zone, crust in the crust zone. We're never going to let you taste a great deep dish pizza again. And that's kind of how old school urbanity worked, you know, from ancient times that you had people living above their shops and you had people, Mm -hmm. you know, doing different things in, in the spaces between buildings and and that's a little bit of what we tried to do, you know, even like the Grand California and downtown Disney is a great example. I mean, you're walking uh, above a podium, uh, a parking garage. Uh, you're, you're, you're walking on top of the valet garage for the Grand Californian, ground level yeah. retail, you know, like a European inspired piazza inspired by Las Ramblas and then hotel rooms up above. That's actually vertical mixed use, even though the theme of the hotel is a national park lodge. It's probably the most urban mixed use building Disney had ever done to that point. And again, I think as we look at the future, you know, rather than these horizontal segregated use zones, that's kind of what a lot of Disney on Ford is about is just giving Disney the flexibility. So it's, it's, you know, whatever they saw in the press release, a lot of that's probably eyewash, you know, but you know, I think the key is that, you know, you want to maximize the, the, the ability to, to um, stack uses and to, you know, maximize experiences wherever that can happen. And and again, I think the more magical it's going to be is the, the more immersive you get to, mm-hmm. you know, just live that experience and not just get kicked out, you know, when the park closes, but actually spend the night, like who yeah. who wouldn't want to yeah. spend the night in the Disneyland dream suite every night. So. Well,
1: yeah, oh, no definitely.
2: Kidding. It's okay. I'll be the only weekly tier without an answer make sure you send your questions to producer james or producer verne at trivia at doweekly.net
4: welcome back to trivia land how do you feel about how
0: you did today? Not, not great. not great. No,
1: <laughs> not at all. Especially since I couldn't remember Michael Eisner's name and was going <laughs> going with a Bob instead. That was,
4: yeah, well, that was not good. Well, you know, I'm looking at your score column and I am seeing green. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a good something. thing. I like it when I can see green for you. So, so well, all right, <laughs> let's let's find out how you did officially. So your first regular round question, falling down my rabbit hole. Superstar Limo was the first dark ride in Disney California Adventure, and after receiving terrible reviews, it was the first ride in DCA to permanently close. What dates, month, and year was this attraction open? You both got half a point for knowing that it opened in February of 2001. Woo! Tag said that it closed in March of 2002, and Teresa said it closed in February of 2003. The correct closing date was January of 2002, this ride was wow. not open for an entire year. Look at that. Those aforementioned terrible reviews wow. include the Boston Globe saying the sets are on par with college theater constructions.
0: Wow. The
4: New York Times said probably the schlockiest attraction in the new park. What does schlockiest mean? Uh, chintzy, oh, okay. poorly put together. Longview Daily News they should change the name of this ride from Superstar Limo to It's a Shill World. Oh wow. <laughs> the space I, would be you know better devoted amazing? to something more entertaining, such as animatronic dentist doing root canals on all the imagineers who came up with the idea. Do you wanna wow. know what's
1: really interesting about this? Is we talk about this later. They changed it. It was only the thing was not even open an entire year, and it was changed. Yep you know what i mean like they had a major refurb and it was only wow i really thought it was i know it wasn't forever like super long but i really thought it was a little bit longer especially now seeing because we just pulled up it looks like mike and sully to the rescue opened in 2006 so it sat for a long
0: time yeah anyway wow
1: (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah.
4: Your second regular round question
1: as we're falling
4: into this rabbit hole. The original concept was that riders were celebrities being chauffeured around and chased by paparazzi. At the beginning and end of the ride, a video starring then-CEO Blank welcomed the riders to the attraction and bid them farewell. You both getting that correct with Michael Eisner being the CEO in 2001. Woo! No high five? (laughs) All right. Good job. Good job, you two. Your third regular round question. After the death of Princess Diana while being chased by paparazzi, it was deemed poor taste to have an attraction based on being chased by paparazzi. The ride was changed to feature celebrities in a ride through Hollywood. Can you name the featured celebrities? You gave me Drew Carey, Whoopi Goldberg, and Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) And Andy in the chat also threw in Jackie Chan, Tim Allen, and Cindy Crawford. The correct ones I was looking for were Joan Rivers, Regis Philbin, Melanie Griffith, Antonio Banderas, Cindy Crawford, Tim Allen, Jackie Chan, Drew Carey, Cher, and Whoopi Goldberg. Dang, no Jennifer Aniston.
0: Mm. (laughs) I kind of wish that I would have seen this. I wish I
1: could have experienced this just for the experience. Yeah. I'm going
4: to have to start searching around, see if I can find any ride-through videos. Well... There's got to be one in existence. Go...
1: Where was it? We were looking at this Yesterland article, and I had to, like, try not to laugh out loud while Vern was talking, because they have a... Now showing you the story of you. You. Like billboard that was a photo. Apparently, a photo in this attraction. Yeah. The person in the third row here is filming, which I think oh. is hilarious because, right, oh. this was taken in like 2001, maybe 2002, right. and there was already somebody vlogging.
4: So we need to find that person <laughs> so, and find a their video upload. does exist.
1: We have photographic evidence that somebody took at least a, one video. <laughs> oh, they're all over the place on YouTube. I'm. I need to, I really need to watch one of these. (laughs) I'm just so (laughs) curious about this.
0: Oh, look, there's even a whole Defunctland episode about Superstar Limo that, uh, how long is this run? 20 minutes long. You can get a whole history of it. I'm very curious
1: about this. Well,
0: I know (laughs) Teresa's going to go down a rabbit hole now after the show. Mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) And your fourth and final regular round question in my rabbit hole tonight... After closing the attraction, a few retheme ideas were tossed around, trying to keep close to the original idea. Do you know the top two contenders? Both of you giving an emphatic no, you had no idea. The answers that I was looking for were Goofy's Superstar Limo. Okay. Re-theming it with the classic Disney characters. Oh.
0: Later, later would make its way to Sky School. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it would have so instead of having like real people as celebrities, it would have had like Mickey and Minnie and Maybe, stuff yeah. in it. Interesting. And the other top contender,
4: Miss Piggy's superstar limo <gasps> featuring the Muppets. That would have been cute.
1: Actually, I would've been okay with that. Because wasn't Muppet Muppet Vision was back there. I never got to experience mm-hmm. I don't think I got I don't remember experiencing Muppet Vision in Disneyland Resort. Definitely yes in Disney World. But I don't know if I ever got to do it in land. I don't think I did. But it was back in that same area, so that would have worked. Yep.
4: And your bonus question tonight Which ride replaced Superstar Limo and still functions in that space to this day? We got a point for this.
1: This was very nice. Also, incidentally,
4: still using (laughs) the same cars, just reskinned. Well,
1: and some of the animatronic figures supposedly are reskinned celebrities that are now the like 2319 people. Yeah, I'm glad that they did that. This what is it? The C? You
4: of course got that answer correct with Monster Zinc, Mike and Sully to the rescue. Woo-hoo.
0: So what did we end up with per points between the two of us? Oh,
4: uh, you each got two and a half points. Oh, that's not terrible. With half a point for the um, years that it was open, or the months, two years that it was open, and getting Michael Eisner and getting Monster Zinc,
0: Mike and Sully to the rescue. Woo! Yep. Not
1: too terrible.
0: Yep. Yep. I want to share. Shannon in the chat says. When a friend of ours came back from DCA, he gave my mom a DCA map for us to look at and we could go until we could go. He legit wrote sucks next to the ride on the map.
1: I just, I wish I could have experienced this just, just because.
4: Well, listeners, how do you think they did? How did you do listening at home? If you've got a suggestion for a rabbit hole that I should follow oh, down Lord. sometime, feel free to send that in to trivia at dlweekly.net.
1: We will be back next week with more Disneyland news and information. Until then,
0: go out and enjoy
1: the parks.
2: Please remain seated until the podcast comes to a complete stop and the doors have opened. Then collect your belongings, watch your head, and step carefully from the episode. On behalf of all of our crew, thanks for traveling with us. And we hope you have a happy and memorable visit here at DL Weekly.